Simmons, founder of Greedy Vegan, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen. This week, I'm joined by Bastian, co-founder of Lilk. Lilk is a plant-based milk which works by blending flavors together. Lilk came about when Bastian and his sister were creating plant-based milk in their kitchen over lockdown. And within the year, they have already been voted the best plant-based milk option of 2022. In this episode, Bastian and I discuss the reasons behind Lilk, why there is a need for it on the market, and what makes it so different. Bastian and Emily founded Lilk in January, and it is already stocked in Ocado and Waitrose. If you are a consumer who likes to be on top of emerging brands and latest products, we have just the thing for you. So I'm here with Bastian from the milk brand Lilk. So before we start, do you mind giving us a 30 second elevator pitch about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, so I'm Bastian. I'm one of the founders um, of Lilk. There's two more, Emily and Charlotte. And what we do at, at Lilk is we blend uh, plant uh, ingredients such as grains and seeds into super delicious plant milks, essentially, uh, to try and improve on the taste and texture. Um, to go in coffee or to use in everyday um, use cases. Amazing. I mean, the plant-based milk industry is huge. And I think, I mean, we actually spoke about this um, before we started recording and you corrected me, but there is a statistic that one in three people now drink plant-based milk. And you said that was a couple of years ago, so it must be even more now. So that is a huge percentage of the population. So it's a very interesting industry and I can't wait to talk more about it. But before we do, a tradition on the podcast is we have some quick fire questions. So it's all about food. So sweet or savoury? Um, savoury. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Um, yeah, juicy burger. Crisps or popcorn? Crisps, any day. Ice cream or sorbet? Sorbet, lemon sorbet for sure. Mm. Cook in or eat out? Cook in these days. I don't really have time to eat out. Fair enough. And favorite delivery? Um, I think it's got it's got to be curry. Yeah. Good one. Actually, no one said that yet. So yeah, it's a good one. So where I want to start is, could you please explain what is Lilk and why is Lilk different to any other plant-based milk on the market? Sure. So um, Lilk is a bit different in that we are trying to bring the joys of blending to the plant-based world um you know plant milks are delicious they're great and you know we've all been on our respective journey into transitioning to plant-based diets and i'm sure uh you know loads more people are, are going to take that journey and so the the category is really really improved it's come leaps and bounds since the early days where soy milk was the only game in town um oat milk is fantastic for a flat white for example well we're both having one now aren't we yeah um but um you know, but but I found that they they come with they can come with a bit of baggage. You know, when it comes to taste and texture, I don't always want my coffee to taste of porridge or coconut or almonds. And so, you know, the intention was how can we try and improve the the taste and 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 really the idea was why don't we just borrow the qualities of all these ingredients that are available to us and blend them into something that was going to be um, altogether better. That was the idea. <laughs> that was the intention. And so we, you know, we experimented in our kitchen, trying to come up with loads of different recipes. 
and most of them were terrible, like atrocious. Things just didn't work out. Um, but a few of them showed promise and a couple of them were fantastic and these are the ones we took to market. So touching on making it in your kitchen, I mean, I back in lockdown, I actually made my own almond milk, I think it was. And I mean, that's great, but it's very different tasting making it at home compared to when you actually make it on a bigger scale in like a you know manufacturer with a manufacturer so how did you tasting one that tasted good how did you believe in it like what was your process of making it at home and then thinking actually this could be something that I could sell to a lot more people yeah that's a very good question we yes we 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 tried so many different ingredients even just the type of oats that you're going to select, the type of rice, the type of quinoa, all that stuff. You know, if you, if you choose a British grown oats, it's going to taste very different from a Spanish one or, you know, a French one or a German one. It's it's very impressive. So there's loads of varieties and, and subtleties out there. Um, so we got the help of some expert food scientists to, to help us, you know, formulate those recipes. Um, but the answer is we had no idea how it was going to turn out and we didn't have the money you know we weren't rich so we didn't have a ton of budget to go and do some trials and every sort of factory trials that you do is going to cost you thousands of pounds and just didn't have that money so we just said f it let's just print (laughs) all the packaging 150,000 of them and uh, and see what it see what it what happens Uh, uh, but luckily uh, not only did it taste very similar to to what the the lab uh, had produced but it actually tasted better so that was a huge huge sigh of relief from the whole team yeah for sure definitely I mean when you said 100 do you say 150,000 packaging yeah I mean I've had something similar but not quite on that scale okay, I've just had happened? 500 boxes arrive okay. and I mean it's only 500 but like that is quite scary when that arrives because you're like right this is real I've got to get selling this now um so no super exciting so why would a consumer, I'm not going to start naming and shaming brands, however, just using a brand name that everyone will know about, why would someone choose to buy Lilk over, let's say, Alpro, for example? Um, well, Alpro, and, and even Oatly, for example, they, they're doing a, an amazing job at you know, making the category more popular. So, you know, I'm not going to name and shame, there's some really great products that's come out of that. And, uh, and, and um, you know, bring it to the masses at an affordable price. These things are really important. Um, Oatly, for instance, has done such an amazing job educating everywhere in the world about the, the benefits of plant-based and, you know, why this is definitely a route that's worth exploring for people. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're really grateful that they've done all this work. What, we, what it means for us now is that we can have more fun, right? We can explore new stuff, be innovative. Um, and and so that's why we we decided to to explore you know to you know to really look at the taste and texture. So essentially, um, you're right that the, the category is still growing massively, especially during lockdown. It was thirty forty percent or so increase year on year, um, and that's still going. Um, but fifty percent, fifty six percent of um, people rate the taste of plum milk as either poor or very poor still. So that told us that there was still a barrier there, right? And another stat that's even more recent that's from this year is that 85% of people who drink plant milk still drink dairy milk. So a lot of people aren't fully converted um, and they'll have spe- specific use cases, specific usages that they're accustomed to that doesn't that don't quite work for them. For example, we hear a lot of people come to us and say, is it good in my tea? I've switched back to dairy milk because it doesn't work in tea or it doesn't work the way that I want to. And some companies like Alpro, for example, have tried to tackle this by uh, using uh, you know uh, soy proteins and things and that don't interfere too much with the taste of 
um, of tea. So there's a lot of uh, innovation there. But I think no one has really done blending well so far and really exploited all these different ingredients. And I really think that's the next big thing. There's mm -hmm. no reason to stick to a single ingredient plant milk, I think, unless you really want a specific, you know, taste like almond and that's the, in your recipe. So I think um, the, the reason is, is really if you want something that's delicious, <laughs> then you go for us. And I think um, we get a lot of people come to us and tell us that they just drink it on its own, which is uh, something that people don't really do with plant milks. Uh, certainly people don't really drink you know soy milk or even oat milk by the glass and we we keep hearing that people just just drink a lot of our, our plant milks just you know from the fridge wow. um, so that's something that uh, retailers quite like to hear because that's kind of a new revenue stream for them to grow the category because <laughs> uh, you know it means more volumes yeah definitely definitely i mean i haven't heard of anyone do that before with with plant milk i've only heard it being used in teas coffees on cereals so yeah. that's really really cool the intention was really coffee initially exactly mm -hmm. what you've said i wanted something that let the, the the full flavor of my coffee beans my favorite coffee beans shine i'm a bit of a coffee snob uh and uh and you know i found that yeah um oat milk you know oatly has just the best oat milk out there but it, it can be a bit chalky it can you know come with that sort of flavor profile so this blue bottle the common blend there that you see on on your table that was really meant to have a very neutral and delicate flavor that doesn't sort of mask the taste of the coffee so am i right in saying that then the trigger for creating milk was because you just weren't satisfied with the market like there was a gap for you like you were having plant-based milks and they were fine but it wasn't that like this hits like this is like next level like there wasn't that perfect one for you am i right in saying that was a trigger that's absolutely right but it's only half the story and okay. i think we, we share something else in common here in in that i lost my job to the pandemic too yeah um uh, you know as a result of that um i i so i used to work in tech before that i was a scientist you know doing maths and stuff like that so completely you know foreign to to the to the, the food and drinks business still very newbie still very stupid and ignorant um, but I started a new job in February 2020 in in, te in travel tech, in the travel sector, which was not a great idea in retrospect. No. <laughs> oh, God. So, you know, they were nice enough. They kept me around for a few months, uh, but the, the whole project was cancelled. So they just thanked everyone. And, uh, you know, I find myself with a lot of time on my hands at home during lockdown, drinking tea, coffee all day long, trying to trying to see what's what's up on, on Netflix or, you know, <laughs> learning new language and stuff. And uh, and that's that's when the Eureka, Eureka moment that you describe happened. So yes, that was the intention, but really the trigger was not having a job. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it kind of like desperate times. However, also got some time on your hands, and I think that's quite a good point because often when you actually stop and think slowly, ideas come to you. Like when you're busy, and you're like, I have to think of something quickly nothing will actually come to you so when you've had a chance to kind of slow down stop drink a few cups of tea and coffee finally um ideas come to you so that's quite nice and I want to go on to ingredients because you've included some quite specific ingredients in your blend so this one is one I've tried so far the um the lush blend with oat quinoa and coconut so why have you chosen those ingredients in particular yeah, I, I think we didn't really choose them so much as they, they chose us or, you know, the sort of flavor profile just, just happened. Um, we tried so many different ingredients. Um, we tried, you know, we were really interested and really concerned um, with uh, um, super grains, with ancient grains and seed like teff, like amaranth, like hemp. 
things that are very nutritious, things that are, you know, crops that are, you know, uh, heat and drought resistance that can grow in high altitudes, stuff that's really going to be around for a while and that promotes crop diversity. So we tried all sorts of different ingredients, but, um, you know, with the limited <laughs> resources that we had, you know, these are the ones that really happened. Like I said earlier, a lot of them just didn't work out at all. And these two really, really hit the mark for us. Um, but it's just one of many recipes that we've got in the works. Um, the the sort of oat and so the oat coconut and quinoa, uh, you you get this sort of creamy base from the oat, this sort of um, smooth base, and the coconut gives it a bit more fullness and richness. And the quinoa is like a, a small percentage; it's an extract, and that just gives a little bit of depth, a bit of nuttiness, a bit of savouriness. Um, and uh, and we tried removing the quinoa, even though it's a small amount, but it's just not the same. <laughs> so so we had to add it back, even though even though it makes it a tiny bit more expensive to produce. It was just you know more delicious that way. Mm, amazing. And uh, going on to ingredients even more. So there are some ingredients that are now kind of told to be more unsustainable, such as almonds. What are your thoughts on that? And like, is that something that you guys are super aware of? And like, wouldn't consider using or yeah from someone who's in the industry like can you shine some light on the almond milk situation yeah absolutely so i mean i'm 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 not an expert but we did a ton of research initially you know we didn't want to go in and say hey you know white savior are going to produce a plant milk and it's going to be amazing and it's just solution to everything we we did a lot of research in in the supply chain try to find you know the, the best suppliers out there that are that are SEDEX approved you know they've got rigorous testing etc and we also partnered with a you know, sort of independent body to to look at our emission um, you know uh, impact so there's a company called my emissions that's helped us out with all of that um, and yeah so we, we tried nuts we tried almonds uh, but it's true that there's some really serious questions as to how sustainable you can really make it there are some some areas in Italy that grow almonds more sustainably but if you want to do it on Mars, it's going to be very difficult. You know, most of the stuff is actually not that sustainable. Monocrops, and it, it it can be quite quite terrible for for the environment around it. So there's some questions there, and I'm no, I'm, I'm sure they have answers long term, right? If we can just change and overhaul the entire food system. But for now, we just weren't able to make it happen. It would have been really really expensive, and it just wasn't what we were trying to do. On top of that, we were a bit concerned with um you know allergens as well and so you know uh, nut allergy is something that's been on the rise and it was was on our minds we might go back to nuts one day there are some things we're tinkering with there but not just yet mm, interesting and what about the new milks that are kind of i'm hearing more about like pea and potato i'm very intrigued about these two is this something that you guys are gonna play around with or yeah what are your thoughts on these yeah we tried all of these actually initially uh, a couple of years ago even before some of those products launched um yeah pea is a wonderful source of protein right you can see there's a lot of cereal brands now that are high in pro- protein and use pea protein it's just a wonderful ingredient i think it's still not as sustainable as it's meant to be i think just the the sort of um the system hasn't caught up yet but i'm sure it will develop uh the issues with 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 adding proteins to your drink is that it can come with an undesirable flavor profile these two blends was they would really wanted them to be absolutely delicious the common blend the blue one you get the sort of oats that provides the creamy base again and the rice uh, that comes comes in and, and provides provides the sort of silky texture that you want to have and the two together they kind of neutralize each other and they create this wonderful thing for coffee it's really white it's really silky gives you that amazing microphone 
that's quite stable. Uh, and so it was really all about taste and texture. Um, but as we develop the range, you know, blending gives you a ton of opportunities for range development, experimentation. Uh, there's loads, there's loads in the works, and there's loads of ingredients to try out there um, that we're gonna, you know, bring back into the fold. Just you know, one step at a time. We we always do too much. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a couple of launches that are happening early next year. I can't, I can't share just yet. Maybe I'll tell you off air. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some really cool stuff either launching in, in sort of Feb or March next year. Um, but I can't say much right now. Okay, amazing. So we've kind of touched on the two types, but can you go into a little bit more detail about why you've got the common blend and then the lush blend? And also, am I right in saying that the common blend is kind of like coffee related and like I know you're really into your coffee so was that a massive priority for you guys to have the common blend kind of be there for those coffee lovers having something that foams really well getting that frothy cappuccino so is that something that this milk can do yeah for sure it, it, you know it does have um, that that performance aspect to it both in terms of you know foamability foam stability the sort of <laughs> size of the bubbles and, and, and all that uh, you can make really beautiful latte art but really initially this was almost a bonus we were trying to trying to have something that really worked well with with taste having different grains gives you the richness in terms of the molecules and, and, and stuff so it does help with foamability but it's really the taste that we were, we were after um the independent earlier this year named us like the best overall plant milk for 2022 which we were so chuffed to to find out wow and something they mentioned i thought was was um was amazing they said they, they they reckon this is really good for people who like plant milks and those who still like dairy milk. So it kind of it's a it's a plant milk that can bring people together. And we often hear stories where people say that it's the it's the one plant milk that people can agree in you know in sort of you know, diverse families where you might have a dad that isn't yet converted to to to, to dairy free and uh, and the kids bring this and they like, yeah I'd switch for that that's okay. Okay, that's really interesting because that kind of led me on to my next question, which was. Would you say, I mean, you've kind of answered it, but the question was going to be, would you say that you're here for those who are already plant-based milk consumers or do you think you're here to convert? Because for me initially, when I saw it, as being a big plant-based milk consumer, I was like, oh, wow, something new, can't wait to try it. Whereas um, I was would have thought that maybe someone who's a dairy milk drinker would go for some one of the bigger, well-known brands because they think it's a safe option. However, from what you're just saying now, maybe this kind of is more there for the dairy drinker because it actually hits a spot that they haven't found any other plant ma- plant-based milk do yet is that kind of what you're saying uh, yeah, so i think you, i think you're i think both of these things are right in the sense that you know uh, it's a new thing it's a new brand this is you know fairly new concept people have done a bit of blending before but not really owning that space as such and doing different different blends so it's it's new in that regard um, so that's that's true, and therefore you're going to get the early adopters try it first in, in, that, in that category for sure. Um, but taste-wise, we keep hearing that you know I've switched for that, and you know I'm using this in, in my coffee, and I'm using this in my tea, and I just drink it by the pint, and I never did this before. So both things are true, and that's a challenge for us as small brand. Where do we focus our efforts in, right? Um, so it's you know it's it's a challenge. It's hard. We we get it wrong a lot, and so I think that, that what we're going to be doing is is kind of rework the entire sort of uh, communication strategy to make sure that we're informing people as best as we can about the qualities you know it's a lot to explain on the front of the pack that it's a blend that it's delicious and also taste is something that everyone kind of claimed oh it tastes great you know Mm -hmm. but until you get 
the stuff in people's hands, you know, they're not really going to agree with you. So uh, I think what we're going to focus on over the next six to 12 months is, is doing a lot of sampling. People, when they try it, they, they really love it. And so uh, that's going to be the challenge again, get into as many people's hands as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the case with all kind of food and drink. It's like taste is so key. And like I do loads of pop-ups because... I can claim that I've got some amazing brands and they're super tasty and they're going to transform your fridge and make you eat more plant-based. People are like, yeah, yeah, sure. But if they actually try it, they're like, oh, actually, you're right. I completely get that now. Yeah. So yeah, taste is really, really key. Yeah, I think there was a report in the Grocer um, just a few months ago that, that looked at the, the, the main reasons why, why someone would change from their current brand of plant milk to a new one. And the number one reason was taste. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... Plant-based milk is something that you can be more experimental on because it's there's some. It's, it sounds really silly, but there's small changes that make a big difference. So, okay, you're ch- you're changing the brand. It's still kind of an oat milk-based drink. It's still milk. It's still going to be used in the same thing, but it's a slightly different brand with slightly different ingredients. So it's kind of a safe option t- to trial. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's really cool. Also, I want to touch on the bottle shape because we've got some here and it's quite a niche shape and I've done some research into why it's this mm-hmm. and so I know the reason why but do you mind sharing a bit more about why you've got this incredible bottle shape and why you didn't go for like the traditional um, carton that you see on supermarket shelves? Because it looks great. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> it um, does look great. It, I mean, it looks different for sure, right? So it's a slightly different um, bottle format. Um, the, the main re- We were the first brand in the UK and in Europe to launch on this format. It's a format called Combidome from a company called Sig, and uh, it is, it's uh, it's just a slightly more sustainable format. They use less paperboard. It's fully recyclable, so it has similar credentials to you know the sort of other uh, big you know um, manufacturers on the market. Um, but we were able to reduce production waste by around uh, a third, just under a third, thirty percent. So that was one of the reasons why we switched. You know, when you do a production run, there's always waste uh, at the start, at the end. And so that was, it's just a more efficient filling system for us anyway. I don't know what everyone is, is doing out there, but it, it's, it's got really good credentials on, in, the, in this regard. The other thing as well is, is uh, it's just, it's a nice sort of format to hold and to pour. So, you know, the end, um, at the end of your uh, um, oat milk, there's always a little bit that rattles and you can't get rid of it. I find that <laughs> quite annoying. Um, it is a bit wasteful as well. And, and thanks to the sort of the bottle shape that's just like an old you know milk bottle or, or water bottle almost you can really pour till the last drop and I think that's a nice touch people like that yeah I agree I think it's so cool and it really does stand out so when you're trying to kind of stand out amongst the crowd this definitely definitely helps um so I want to talk a little bit about like future plans for you guys obviously you mentioned there's a few developments coming like a few you can't really share which obviously is super understandable but is there anything that you can kind of mention about where you guys are heading you've got these two amazing blends what's the next steps how are you going to get them into people, more people's hands where people can where if people are listening and they're like i really want to try these blends where can they find them yeah so our, our launch proper launch was uh, january this year um the first production one was last summer so it was last year in the summer um, but yeah, so we launched uh, in retail in, on Ocado in January, and then recently in Holland Barrett's, uh, pretty much nationally, just everywhere. And uh, and also we've got a listing with Waitrose, uh, which was amazing. So 
uh, yeah, we got we got lucky. We the, the listings came quite quickly. The buyers really liked the product and, and gave us a shot. So we're really grateful that that happened. And the sort of the sales on Okada have been exploding. It's been amazing to see. Um, and now it's the same story elsewhere. So can we do more of the same, please? That would be fantastic. <laughs> we did have one major retailer, which I'm not going to tell you who it is, um, offer us a listing. But we, we had to say, no, we couldn't do it. We couldn't agree on, on pricing, you know, in this t this time of inflation. It's been very, very difficult for us to control our costs. So we've been doing a lot of cost engineering, trying to keep things down. But it's it's very, it's like almost impossible. Um, you know, the inflation figures out there say that, you know, it's around 10%. But the true inflation figures probably double that. Uh, I think it was the, the, the CEO of BrewDog recently said that he believes the figure is more like 20%. And wow. I think he's probably he's probably right. So the short term is to survive as every uh, you know food and drink brand out there is is trying to do um and 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 grow the business. So yeah, can 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 we get that deal please? That would be great and then hopefully another one. Um but what we're trying to do is like you said do more sampling get in people's hands. And also we're having a lot of success in cafes. So people are really starting to to use it, you know, for coffee as their main uh, as their main plot milk offering. And so that's definitely a huge area of growth for us that we want to continue exploring. Definitely. I mean, before we recorded this, we went and got a coffee and we were just saying how these independent coffee shops, it's just amazing. And coffee is just kind of taking on another another whole leap and bound. It's just so great. And it's you meet amazing people in there and everyone, it's just a great atmosphere in the coffee world. So I think lots of people love going out and getting their coffee. So if they see um, Lilk kind of there, on show and then they have it in their coffee that's a really great easy way of kind of getting more people to try it yeah can we give a shout out to black sheep and that crazy strong robusta blend that they're i using? know not a blend sorry i think it's single your origin but it's power this stuff isn't it it is it's so powerful they do it's double the caffeine and i've got a tiny one here because like that's all my body can probably take because it is definitely double the caffeine which is um yeah which is really really intense so I want to kind of touch on plant-based as a whole with you personally. So are you plant-based yourself? And if so, how long for? And if not, kind of like where do you, where do you kind of fit in with a plant-based world at the moment? Yeah, so there's this, uh, this three, three of us, uh, three founders in the company, and, and we're all imperfect vegans, I would say. <laughs> That's the best way, I think. Uh, yeah, well, you know, you've got to try your best. Um, Emily is the more stringent one. She's, the, she's strict, stricter with it, and she keeps us on track. So, you know, something, I'm French myself, I'm from the south of France, so when I go home, there's a lot of cheese and stuff everywhere, so sometimes it's hard to resist. But you gotta try and you gotta, you gotta say something, right? This is how any sort of progress works. So I'll be saying, no guys, foie gras is banned from the house, you can't have that anymore. And at first, you know, grumbles and stuff. But, but it, eventually, you, you see things disappear and change, and they buy the plant milk, and now my dad drinks plant milk, and and so you see things change so you, you know you have to, to, to stay the course as much as possible you know the, the the vegan philosophy is not about not eating animal products it's not just that it's really about uh, you, know, min, you know minimizing the suffering of, of, of people including not human animals right and so the more we can do in this direction the better um, but it's also not straightforward so you know people like yourself who give tips on you know what to cook and how to cook is I, I find hugely helpful um, I learned, I, I grew up with meat and dairy 
uh, and you know the sort of French cookery and loads of butter and everything and so I was completely useless at cooking without meat I thought that a meal was you know a big piece of chicken and then some veg alongside it or something and that, that's the only way to do it um, so you have to kind of relearn all of this you have to find out what your body uh, prefers and also you have to get your give your body time to, to adapt to this sort of new diet that you're giving it and so it's not straightforward um, but it's totally worth it and uh, I'm still on this journey I'd say we're about 90% there uh, but there's still some room to grow I think the next steps will be other areas where right? can, can we reduce you know can we try to avoid consumerism as much as possible can we kind of you know uh, recenter some of our priorities and, 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 and around the way we buy stuff and what we decide to back with our purse um, and, you know and, and, and not just strictly diet mm, yeah amazing I think that's so true about kind of it is a journey and you kind of have to let your body take its time because people are very quick to be like oh it didn't work for me but they might have only tried it two days and I think you've got to see what works for you and I think I like the way you said imperfect vegan because we're not all perfect in every element of life so even when it comes to diet if you are out for dinner and it's a celebratory meal and you really want to have that piece of fish do it like it's okay but well you can change and cut back and and cut back and change what you're eating a bit and that's that's really really great too so yeah I think it is a journey and we we all need to be patient with it and be more accepting as well I think um so I want to ask you now what's what about you what's your status oh okay well I um I well I am 100% plant-based um yeah I mean I have I actually that's that's probably not true I say I'm 95% plant-based the 5% happens when um maybe eggs sometimes I if I'm somewhere and they've got chickens I will probably have an egg because Mm -hmm. I think I can see the chicken over there and I don't see that as a problem and maybe when I'm away and there's a local fish restaurant and I know it's local and I've spoken I'm a bit weird when it comes to actually speaking to the waiter mm-hmm. waitress and being like have when was this fish caught where was it caught um because I do enjoy fish and I do enjoy eggs but I'm just funny about where it was caught and how it was caught that's kind of my thing with that yeah. so um if I kind of done the research as it were then yeah I would eat um fish or eggs but when I'm in the UK um, apart from eggs very very occasionally I am pretty much plant based there you have it you heard it here first kids yeah there it is <laughs> I think it's just about doing the research isn't it and like doing what works for you doing what makes you feel okay listening to your body is really key keys as well because yeah. you know everybody's body is different and if you need that meat have it but then cut back on other days but go for really good quality I think is one thing I would say really savor that meat experience or fish experience mm-hmm. really have the best quality enjoy it don't feel guilty for it and the next couple of days just then don't have it and then yeah find I your think balance. my my Achilles here would be you know if I'm having a, 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 you know, a breakfast on the go or something I'll have a coffee I don't really eat breakfast but if there's a croissant there and it's not vegan occasionally I'll get it and I, I can't say no to myself I'm just I'm quite basic like this I'm not very you know sophisticated so if you, you know if there's a buttery croissant right in front of you sometimes I, I, I get yeah <laughs> I but you're French as well I mean it's in your blood but I will so, yeah it is right uh, you know my, my breakfast used to be croissant coffee and cigarette remember the previous <laughs> type of breakfast I've cut out I've cut out the cigarette a long time ago but I still I still have the rest occasionally but what I what I do try to do is I do I do go to the people and ask them 
do you have a vegan version? Of course they're going to say no most of the time. But there are places that you know starting to do it, and it's it's really really good. So when when it's there, then yeah, I'm really happy. Yeah, I really need to try some more um, vegan croissants because I do love what well, I used to have it a lot as an almond croissant, and that I love that. But I think there is one in Pure they do a vegan almond croissant. Haven't tried it yet though, so that's definitely on my on my list to try but yeah it's getting there everything is is growing and developing and I think it's a really exciting industry to be in especially for you guys with the plant-based milks I think people could easily say oh there's already loads out there but yeah there is but there's still so much development to be had so I think it's um yeah really exciting it's a busy category it's very competitive and a lot of these brands are super well funded so you know for a company like us it can be quite difficult to to claim market shares and get your message out there but you know, you've got to you got to do your best. You got to try and do guerrilla marketing and 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 try you know new new things and try different approaches. But yeah, it's very busy out there. It's brutal. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It definitely is. So uh, another tradition on the podcast is that I always finish off by asking people what their last meal is. So starter, main course, and dessert. I find this super interesting question. So please share what your last meal would be. So I think for um, yeah for a starter, it, it it would be a, a salad, you know, but from from the garden, like the the tomatoes that my 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 mum and dad grow or something like that, you know, with with a bit of olive oil and vinegar, and that's it. I don't need much more. Nice. <laughs> so that would be it. I think uh, I think for a main, there is a there is a an Egyptian dish called uh, kosheri, right? So I grew up over there when I was a kid, and uh, it's basically some sort of little noodley pasta on top of which you have lentils on top of which you have a sort of a tomato onion sauce on top of which you've got sort of fried onions it sounds really basic and it is right it costs i think 10p in the streets of cairo to no have. way yeah yeah i mean the price may have gone up in the last few years since since i last went just a few years back um but i i just yeah i find it really delicious it's quite uh, nutritious as well mm. and for dessert yeah, I think a lemon sorbet that we touched on earlier. I think that's a good one. Wow, amazing. Very simple, but sounds very delicious. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all things Lilk. I think it's a really exciting brand. I love the blends. I'm really excited to try the common blend in my coffee. I haven't done that yet. So that's my next thing that I'm going to try. Um, but yeah, thanks so much. And I'm sure now people have heard more about it. They are going to look for it on the shelves and hopefully try it. And I think they'll love it. So thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's been great. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you do see Lilk on some shelves, please grab it, try it. I know you will love it. It's such a great concept, blending flavors together. It really does taste insane. So thank you so much to Bastian for coming on and telling us more about it. Thanks again and see you next week.